Hello and welcome to another episode of Kava Vetsche. Today we are going to Finland, to Helsinki, where two of our colleagues, Anna Koten and Agata Makovietska, are um, uh, introducing us to professional supervision. Um, I have to admit, I don't know very much about it, and I would assume that it is the same with you. So let's have a closer look into this uh, very interesting. Hello and good evening to Anna and Agata. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hello. So how is life at the moment in Helsinki? Are you enjoying the summer? Uh, thank you, we are, but we have to correct, we are not in Helsinki, we are actually near Turku, it's a, mm -hmm. a town called Karina, okay. so not very far away from Helsinki, but still. A bit westbound, closer yeah. to Sweden. Okay, okay, that's fine. So just a little bit uh, to your background. So you're both veterinary surgeons. I understand that Anna, um, you first studied uh, engineering and also psychology, is that correct? Before you went into veterinary medicine? I started with that after high school and I studied mechanical engineering mm. and work play, uh, work psychology or psychology regarding work and I was very interested in that but then uh, my childhood dream started to uh, wake up again and, and I, I decided to uh, apply to vet school and I got in and and then I continued on that path mm -hmm. and I've been working as a vet then ever since. And so you you work now mainly in uh, as a small animal practitioner, but uh, uh, on one or two days a week, you work as a professional supervisor. Is that yeah. Correct? yeah. At the moment, I, I do like that. I usually do Mondays. I do supervision, and then then the rest of the week is for small animal practice. And Agatha, with you, it's the other way, all the other way around. So you did biology first, mm -hmm. then you did uh, veterinary medicine. And then you had a look around what is there to offer and you did a little bit of small animal veterinary medicine. I think you, you went into product management uh, for pharmaceutical companies. You do some teaching of nurses, but then uh, uh, professional supervision is actually taking the most part of your working week now. And then you mainly doing that end of life support for small animals as well. Yes, that's correct. Mm. Yes. Okay. So, and you, you both then got together through an online chat on um, uh, about psychology or professional supervision? Uh, uh, in fact, it was, a, it, it was a chat on Facebook where Finnish vets, uh, I don't know really how it began, but uh, quite soon they started to talk about their fears and that have even led to changing paths or stopping uh, stopped work as vets altogether, and and people suddenly opened up about uh, problems they have been having with um, coping with workload and and uh, fatigue and and uh, even fears. And, and it was very interesting to follow that. And, and there was a lot of support and, and uh, empathy from the different vets. And, and it was a very, very warm and 
and somehow very different discussion that I've ever encountered before. And then I saw that both me and Agatha followed it and, and, and wrote some comments. And as we knew each other from before, uh, I, I, I chatted privately to Agatha that, hey, I see you follow this discussion. Is this something you're interested in? And she says, oh yeah, I'm really interested into this. And then we started parallel chat to just the two of us of what we could maybe do about this as is there some way we could could engage in this as in work and and then we we thought about uh, short uh, short time therapy and and different different methods but then then we found this uh, professional supervision to be the easiest way for us to approach these questions mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we applied <laughs> and yeah. started studying, yeah. So, so professional supervision. Um, just explain to me and also to our listeners what is this actually about. What is what are you supervising? What? How does this practically look like? Where are the backgrounds of this? Yeah. Well, uh, professional supervision is uh, actually a tool to uh, improve your work life and develop professionally. And originally this uh, comes from um, therapy world where therapists and social workers, they, uh, they get this professional supervision as part of their work. Uh, it's meant for uh, professions that uh, work with emotional problems to help them to cope with uh, with the work, mm -hmm. so and uh, because it's very effective, uh, it has started spreading uh, into business world and now into veterinary mm -hmm. science because uh, <laughs> we are trying to mm -hmm. uh, talk about this as much as we can with Anna. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's it, it's a tool that helps you in uh, work life. Mm -hmm. And, and sometimes it can be very close to therapy, but therapy is, is mainly, it's a treatment, whereas uh, professional supervision is a tool to improve your work life and, and professional super, supervision concentrates on your work life. You discuss issues that uh, affect your work as, as uh, therapy is, of course, the whole, whole scale. And, um, in Finnish, because the word is like uh, work, it, it's well, it's like work guidance or something. If you translate it in Finnish, people often think that we come there and then we tell them how to do their job, how to do the veterinary job, for example, or how to for the nurses how to do their job. Or in, this is a, a very used tool in childcare and for child services. So. But it's not that we don't tell anyone how to do their job uh, because we don't know how to, they should do their job because they are the experts on their job. But we can raise questions and we can uh, question their uh, modes, what they usually do at work. That uh, if, if they find something stressful, then we can ask, why do you do like this? And what's your motivation? And maybe open up their views about how they work. And, uh, and, and, the, and hopefully, give them ideas and, and give them uh, new angles to see their life. And, and then maybe 
uh, and then, then there's, there are techniques, there are questions. Questions are very, very central. That not questions, not questions like, do you like your work? Not questions where you can say yes or no, but questions, what do you like about your work, for example? So, uh, yeah. But then, so this is not so much a professional appraisal. It is more targeting at the mental well-being mm -hmm. of professionals to see, okay, how balanced are you? How, how happy are you in your job? Is there an area where you are under a lot of strain? How mm -hmm. can that be improved the situation? Or Absolutely. are there areas yeah. where you feel, I don't know, you are left out or, or, or mm -hmm. not really recognized? So, so it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's more sort of, what shall I say, sort of uh, uh, looking at the psychology, the psychological side of professionals and to see as an outstander, as a, how shall I say, like a, a not an, uh, yeah, like an objective rather than a subjective person. So not like a friend, but somebody who comes from a clear, a complete yeah. outside who says, hmm, looking, looking at the way you, you, yeah. you take on your Absolutely. job. Yeah. There is something I think is, is just somehow not working. You doesn't seem to be, you don't seem to be happy or seem to be under a lot of stress. You are very negative or something like that. And then to get mm -hmm. down to, to, to that. Hmm. Okay, so I mean, this is this is as we all know, especially now hmm. under because of COVID. I think, hmm. I think you probably got much much more work because of that. It's such a big field, and I mean, also within Fikava, you you might be aware we have a hmm. um, a well-being and uh, a, 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 a mental health and well-being working group actually. Yeah because of that. So that's something we are very sort of also interested in. But mm -hmm. this professional supervision, how does the, uh, how does your training look like for that? So what makes you now, what shall I say, skilled mm -hmm. to, to apply this technique? Okay, you want to? Yeah, uh, it's a two year uh, training. And the method is solution focused. So we learned uh, the solution focused pro process. It's a process that you go through every time and during the whole um, period of uh, professional supervision. It might be one year or two years. And um, we've uh, studied, of course, a lot of theory. Um, and background, but we have uh, worked a lot with different uh, groups and different individuals during our schooling. So, um, and that will probably not only be veterinarians. Actually, you will then also look into doing training into completely other professions. I assume. Yeah, yeah. and and we have mainly worked with vets, but I. Uh, we have worked with accountants and, and all sorts of people and all sorts of organizations. So uh, it's, as Agata said, so we have had a lot of theory. We have read a lot of books and, and written papers on them and, and uh, lift, uh, trying to highlight points that have made us understand better what it's all about. And we have done a lot of professional supervision for, for like pro bono, partly uh, for, for people who have requested that and we have offered that to vets in fact and uh, and then we have had also some clients already during our studies uh, 
but uh, more than 80 hours, are, we are required to give more than 80 hours of supervision just to, to be able to graduate. And then we have uh, written, well, uh, final, <laughs> final report of our studies where we then have to present that we understand the technique. And both Agatha and me did a small, very, very small research <laughs> among that. So we uh, supervised, uh, I supervised uh, practitioners and Agatha supervised uh, um, managers, managers and, and clinic yeah, owners. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and yeah. then drew some, uh, saw some, got some like ideas of that and, and, and wrote that in our, our final paper. So we, we've tried to sort of understand what's going on with the veterinary scene and what kind of problems concern veterinarians. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you are ideally suited with this additional uh, education, but both also being vets, so mm. you, you know obviously what, what they are talking about. It must be more difficult if you if you talk about, say, accountants or so, mm. if they say, well, uh, uh, really have issues with this new legislation or so. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Legislation, I have no clue what you're talking about. Absolutely. But then, yeah. So, I mean, it's also, I mean, sort of the, uh, the field you're working, Agatha, um, uh, uh, with the end of life uh, support and, uh, uh, and euthanasia of small animals. I mean, that's such a, such a minefield. And that's obviously not, not, not just veterinary professionals. I mean, then you have also the owners as well. Mm -hmm. So where, where you really have to be, well, a good judge of uh, 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 of personality when, when you put animals down. And I mean, that is also, if you have, I mean, I had that sometimes that I had two or three euthanasias on a, on a day mm. and you really have to be careful so that this is not, yeah, doing damage to you. Mm. So because when it is, we are in this bizarre world, I sometimes find that on one hand, sort of we get one consultation in, which is a euthanasia. The next consultation is a family with a small puppy. Absolutely. We have to yeah. turn the button uh, and, and suddenly so from being very, what shall I say, sympathetic, mm -hmm. or we might even have followed that dog and we are actually quite upset, but then we can't go into the next appointment being upset when, when all the children come in with a puppy and very happy and... The, yeah. That, that, the, not everybody can do that. I yeah. the, these questions with like... Uh, with feelings and and then managing your feelings and expressing your feelings and how to learn to cope with them is yeah. a big part of of supervision so uh, when you said that uh, you're absolutely right that it's very very different to be an accountant than a veterinarian but uh, deep down the problems are the same we want to be accepted and we want to feel that our works has a makes a difference and and we want to do well, and and uh, we might uh, uh, compare ourselves to others, and uh, there can be a lot of insecurities and uh, thoughts about: Am I on the right path? Should I change? What, what could be done about uh, me not feeling happy about going to work in the morning? So they are very universal, really. The the questions, and and that's something I would like to. Uh, really address that that be, us being vets is of course 
makes it maybe easier to build the bridge and, and make the contact because we know how it feels and we know what can happen and we know how it is with clients and stuff like that. But still the, the questions like deep inside yourself is that are like, how do you speak with yourself? Are you your own critique, uh, critic or are you your supporter? You know, if, if there's a problem, do you do you blame yourself or do you say, hey, you did your best. Let's try like this next time. I'm really proud of you. You tried. Or, you know, you see my point. So th those are very, very universal. So that's why even if someone feels that, oh, we, wow, I'd, I'd, I'd wish I had a professional supervisor. You don't have to look for a bet. Any professional will do because it will take some time to them to see your, uh, what's your field, but really everyone who works and especially professionals who, who carry a lot of responsibility, have hand, maybe have long studies behind and stuff. So we have the same issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how is it, how do you, how do you generate your, how, how, do, how do you get your clients or uh, how, how do you call them? Clients or patients? What, what would you say is the right term? Client or yeah. customers, clients, clients, customers, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, customer, is it customer? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> but this is the first time we speak about this in English, so we really yeah. don't know. But, yeah. Yeah. No, but it's but not something patient. I'm, not patient, I'm, no. I'm very, I'm very particular actually about this, this, um, uh, this term customer or client. I personally, I mean, that's a personal thing, but I, um, I, for example, I work also in a little bit in telemedicine, for example, mm -hmm. and all the organizations that provide sort of telemedicine, they, they talk very much about all the time about customer. I think a customer goes mm -hmm. into a shop and then buys a, a liter of milk. Mm -hmm. So I think as a professional, I, I like to see the people I, I, I'm communicating with more as clients because mm. they are confiding in me or mm. I am advising them yeah. rather than selling them a product yeah. but then obviously it's semantics it's I yeah. don't know how in that sense client is is more okay yeah. we of course because this is confidential and everything it's very yeah. very personal our discussion so so uh, it's it's more like a client relationship yeah. than a customer so how do you how do you generate do you, how, how do they come to you how does it happen? Uh, well, we, we have this Facebook group for vets, so we have been active there with mm -hmm. Anna, so uh, most of the vets know about us. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, Vet Union in Finland has mm -hmm. also helped us a little bit. They uh, just made an article about us uh, in January, for example. Yeah, and the news in the paper, yeah. yeah. And now uh, we are also speaking at the vet meeting in the end of the year. So uh, I think mostly people have contacted us. Hmm. Yeah. So but, no marketing, no. No, yeah. no marketing so far. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But I mean, but but there you obviously possibly missing actually out on a on a big big rule because the ones that contact you i think they have already made the first mm -hmm. important step yeah they've said something about 
right here. I need yeah. some help or somebody to look into this. And that I think is is probably the biggest step for for yeah. everybody. But the, the the ones that are really important or would would benefit even more are the ones that actually don't know that yeah. they need help. Yeah, mm. are we have tried to lower the threshold. So we have had these online chats on the vet uh, Facebook channel a bit yeah. like this. So we have presented and and then we have uh, had chats with. Uh, Finished students that study in Estonia about when they are going to work the first summer and try to a bit uh, relieve their stress and and the same with Finnish students who have been gone to work. We have also had a chat with them an online chat uh, and mm -hmm. it's been really nice. And after those, we also get a lot of a lot of people who take contact with us. Uh, it's true that it, it it requires that you recognize that you you want to talk talk about these things and that you want to solve some problems because if you don't want that you can't be forced to no one can say your employer can't say that now you need professional supervision and and, and you have to go there it it won't turn out well uh, you have to have the you want you have to like one uh, want to see a change and you yeah. want to be a part of that change you want to do something active yourself so we can't just go there and fix anything you want there has to be a very strong will from, mm. the, from the client to change things and it requires a lot of courage because yeah. usually it's really difficult for anyone to say oh i, I must I've, I've been I've been doing it wrong, or I've been treating myself wrong. I should do it differently. So, so there is the first step is always the hardest. But we try to lower the threshold, and we try to talk about these things because these are really, really everyday things. They concern everyone, or everyone has fears of inadequacy or something. It's it's normal. There's nothing to be ashamed of that. And we try to like. In, in professional supervision, we always say we try to normalize stuff. So we, to, we want to normalize these things and, and, mm. and by that also help. We are, and, and yeah, well. And how do you then say, if, if I come to you and I say, guys, can you do something for me? I've, I don't know, I, I'm very low, I'm very anxious or something mm -hmm. like that. How, how does it now, what should I say practically look like? Are we having sort of in the same way as we have it right now, sort of uh, uh, then regular Zoom meetings or are you coming to my clinic and then you you watch me and you watch me in the team, so like the fly on the wall or, or, or are we meeting completely away from work and have a, have a chat or tell me, how, how do you do that? Uh well, of course, if it's possible, we try to meet and actually it's better to meet outside of work. So you don't see all the things that you still have to do. You some place where you can concentrate on yourself and on the discussion. It's a discussion, hmm. a dialogue. Um, but uh, because Finland is a big country <laughs> with hmm. um, big distances, distances. yeah. Hmm. So uh, actually what, what this COVID has now brought us is uh, this remote um, contact. So we, we do actually most of our yeah. uh, supervisions are probably remote. Mm -hmm. It's uh, easier with uh, individuals 
uh, a little bit more challenging with groups, but uh, it, it still works with groups as well. Okay. okay. And so with, with groups, is then more general advice or more targeted advice? So um, do the groups, they approach you and say, here, yeah, we, we, our whole team has an issue and can you help us? Or is it more so that you, that you, you are sort of, what shall I say, thrown into a group of say 50 students or so and just give some general advice how to, to, to deal mentally with, a, with, a, with the stress of work? How does it look like? We have actually done both, but the okay. uh, when, when it's a big group and we kind of lecture, so it's not supervision actually, it's more like information mm -hmm. and like a quick so like psychoeducation, yeah, you, so the education about how you think and what makes you think, things like that. And but group, groups are actually pretty small, uh, it's recommended that the group size is like six or seven. Uh, people only so that we actually can work with everyone and it's usually the the clinic manager or, or the mm. clinic owner or the the manager of if it's an it doesn't have to be a clinic it can be um any workplace uh, any mm. workplace so mm. they usually contact us and or, or then it can be if it's a large clinic it can be like all the surgeons all the all the surgical nurses or or the like uh, receptionists or something. So we can we can have like people who do the same work but are not in the same team. And we can even have from different clinics, like uh, um, like surgeons from different clinics gather together and then we discuss with them what, what kind of problems. If it's the same workplace, then it's usually questions of work atmosphere and uh, and maybe organization, organize, organizing the work and um, evening out the workload and stuff like that. So, and then we, we ask everyone what you think. We, we never give like, we try not to give advice, but sometimes it slips a bit, but, but we're not meant to give advice. So we ask everyone that, what do you think about this? And how do you see this problem? And, and what would be the ideal outcome? What would mm -hmm. be best, how, how would you see everything if it was perfect and then we have different techniques to a bit like open up your mind uh, not mm. very very scary or anything but just like even like fantasizing in the future that let's say it's one year from here and everything turned out fine what did you do differently to get here and then people start planning at oh we did this and this and it turned out really fine and then maybe in that those those dreams we find some solutions Mm. But find some solution that we usually then try to mark them see what you did how do you feel about if you did this approach mm. and um, of course one one big important issue is to increase the tolerance and acceptance of people and different different kind of people and different kind of working uh, styles and some are fast and some want to think slower and some need don't mind if it's loud and some want to work in quiet and and then like to to have respect for that and and to discuss it openly we just discussed mm. Agatha. We really don't know what the word would be. In Finnish, we have a lot of words, as you may know. But that, to lift up things that usually aren't talked about, that mm. 
and and when it's confidential we usually if we have a meeting it's also agreed that you shouldn't speak about this when you get back to work and say that oh you know what agatha said that she said like this and and lisa said like this but we, what what happens in the meetings sort of stays in the meetings until we decide together that we want to tell the others that hey mm -hmm. we decided like this or we thought it would be a good idea. So once you have done these these meetings, you 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 say, but it's not your place then to give advice, mm -hmm. or are you? I mean. How, how does the outcome, say a successful outcome looks like? Are you then uh, uh, writing a report or are you uh, making suggestions what they should try or how does it look like? Uh, uh, when the method is uh, solution focused, so you kind of uh, believe that the answer is within the client. Uh, so in the beginning, we usually uh, talk about the goals. Uh, often, if you ask somebody, what is your goal, they can't say. So we talk about the problem first, and we uh, try to think, what would you want to have instead of that problem? And then we get to the goal, to the outcome we, which is desired. Uh, and then we start thinking about uh, solutions, different ways to get to that mm -hmm. outcome or to that goal. So um, there's not, we don't usually do any written work. No. We just uh, discuss together what the goal is and how mm -hmm. to, then we start thinking how to get mm -hmm. there. Yeah. And we had this one case uh, where we, uh, <clears throat> it was that they had, um, well, they, they had a sort of communication gap uh, with the manager or the team leader. And, and then we uh, supervised the team and then we supervised the leader. And then we, 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 we tried to, what would the team want to say to the leader? What would you want to, what would you want to be differently at work? And then we worked with them three, four times maybe and, and uh, wrote down with them different ideas and 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 it's not that they can't just complain they can't just say that i don't like her doing this or that they we they have to have a suggestion how to improve them so so we we try to we listen to their problems for a while but not for like the whole session so then there is a meaning that you have to go forward you have to find a solution and you and we start to think what would be the first step how would you know that you're in the right direction and stuff like this and then with this uh, in particular um, company, we did that. Uh, then we agreed that with both, we said, how about if we would uh, supervise a meeting with the employer and the team that we could all meet together. And then uh, we, we said that we, we, we won't tell uh, your employer what you have been speaking about, but we hope that you will. And if you will take up some questions like, um, like let's say they wanted to have more education or, or like uh, for for improving their skills so then we will support you not that we will say well good but we will continue the discussion in that 
sense, and then we will keep the discussion civilized. So if there is an argument or something, we will we will end it. So it's it's like a facilitating the yeah. discussion. That's okay. Helpful. And mm -hmm. and then afterwards, uh, uh, and then they got we got really it was a good really good meeting, and afterwards the. Uh, their employer who is uh, like who is she's our customer as well she has like invited us so then she said that she was so afraid that everyone will yell at her and and be mad and just point out all her failures yes. and now she feels like really really happy that her her team is so great and they have great ideas and and she felt really welcome and she felt really warm that they think so much about their company and and they want to improve it in so many ways so i i say it was a real success it was our like first big client so mm -hmm. it has mm -hmm. left some marks but it was really really good in that way that she really she came here like to be really targeted and and then when she realized that that was not all at all what we were going to do and that's really something we never target anyone in supervising we don't say that you are always like that nothing nothing like that and we want to keep the discussion also let's say civilized and even hopefully a bit positive mm, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, who is who is funding this? You were just sort of touching a little bit on this, so that was uh, um, uh, sort of uh, uh, a bigger sort of job you had to do. But I mean, somebody has to pay for this. Who, yeah. who is paying you? Well, it depends. Uh, we hope that in the future, uh, this professional supervision would be part of uh, vet work and, and provided by the employer, which is the case sometimes. Mm. Uh, but there are also vets that pay for themselves. They uh, mm. need help with work and, and they mm. want it so desperately that they are ready to, to do this by their own. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Right now I have like half are probably paying themselves and half are paying that their company is paying. Then if it's a team or, or a group, then it's always so far the company. Yeah. We don't have any group groups yet that would be from single people who pay themselves. Yeah. In the Nordic countries compared with us in continental Europe, there is a higher percentage of practices that are owned by corporate um, uh, uh, owners. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that the corporate environment compared with the traditional family-based veterinary clinic structure um, uh, is causing more mental health issues or more stress to employees because obviously, I mean, there is possibly more uh, expectations that you perform also on a commercial side because, I mean, you are part of a big business and they, at the end of the day, they want to make money. And uh, obviously they have completely different abilities to, uh, to, to benchmark you. Do you think that that is a bigger issue in corporate practice, or is that does it not make much of a difference? Uh, I um, I would say that it actually depends more on the people who work at the clinic. Uh, depends on the people who lead the clinic, and it can be. Both both big corporate clinics or small mm. family clinics. 
Uh, it depends also on the um, skills you have when you work as a manager, as a boss to everyone else. So uh, I would not draw um, any conclusions conclusions uh, based on that no, no no because the corporate clinics sometimes have professional uh peoples who lead their team they are like yeah they have skills like management skills and at least in finland so far very few family clinics have any management skills the owners so uh it, it i i would say the same that or at least not in this, in our beginning of our careers, we can't really comment on that. Because the management skills are of great importance here. The manager is in a key role uh, of how the people work and how they feel at work. And they really set the tone for the clinic by their example and how they relate to work and how they relate to mistakes and how they, uh, what they require of, of their working and what they require of themselves, because that's some uh, vets have problems with uh, recovery from work and relaxing and free time. And very many are, are uh, very addicted or addicted is maybe a strong word, yeah. but yeah, workaholics, they, or yeah. they want to work, they are perfectionists and and all those skills have brought them through vet school. So they have been good mm -hmm. skills, work hard and, and uh, aim high. That has been like excellent skills to get through vet school. But then when you have to continue working and you may be working 30 or 40 some years nowadays, maybe none of us gets pension anymore. So uh, you can't be a perfectionist all your life or you can't be a workaholic. You're, it, it does not, or it's very rare that your psyche tolerates that your whole life and, and that's, that's a, a paradox that the skills that make make us vets don't really uh, work later in life mm. I, I i think there is my personal impression is there's also a bit of a discrepancy uh, that when we select for veterinary surgeons or veterinary students we are actually picking from the best of the best. These are mm. these are the best school leavers. They have the the the, uh, the best exam results. Um, these are all what shall I say? Rocket scientists and brain surgeons also, or, or uh, could could study all physics or um, uh, uh, mathematics or something like that. Yet they study veterinary medicine in the expectation that this, what shall I say, high intelligence level sort of is demanded. And then some often find themselves actually in a work environment where sometimes very basic things are required. So where they feel maybe uh, uh, from, an, from a, a, a mental point of view, uh, under challenged, so where they just the whole day have to vaccinate, empty anal glands, I don't know, clip claws. Yeah, where they think, my day. <laughs> wait a moment, what's that all about? <laughs> I mean, because of that, it's sort of to, 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 to release this, this, the, well, this need to possibly do more or so than we, we find ourselves. Sort of areas where we want to excel, but not everybody can do that. And some might be actually disillusioned from mm. the job because they are completely under challenged. 
Yeah, that's true. And then, of course, one thing that usually when you're in vet school and you get all these fine techniques and and research and maybe relatively unlimited ways that you can examine the patient. And when you come to real life and, and the one who decides how much you examine is the client's wallet and suddenly... Yes you know all the things that your mind says you should do and then you're, you're, you don't have the possibility to do there's a, a real, real conflict of interest mm -hmm. and, and it can really be challenging as I for a young vet and all these things can be discussed and of course then we have to try to define, redefine success also. What is success? What, what, what does it mean? When are you successful as a vet? And Agatha has a good example of that. Okay, we, we just discussed this with one group and, and there was someone uh, who said that she thinks success is when you do something very extraordinary. So it doesn't happen very often. But in order to succeed, you have to do something amazing. And someone else said that, okay, she thinks she's successful if nobody died that day. So you, you can see if you compare these two, so the other one gets to succeed every day almost, and the other one gets to succeed very rarely. Mm. And affects uh, pretty much your work also, and how, how you mm. experience your work. How, mm. how many times do you get to succeed? And, and mm. if, if you see this uh, nail clipping, uh, anal gland emptying work, which I do also all the time, if you all, all see it as a failure, then I think, you, we can raise questions that what makes you think it as a failure and if you're like basic um, a vet you want to relieve suffering animal suffering and help them then you already do that by for example emptying animal glands and and what is the whole process of the clients coming in and you meeting and discussing and and for you of course medically a very simple diagnosis but still you have managed to help someone and and try to see the success in those everyday shores because we need to do them it doesn't help hopefully you have some really interesting patients as well but men, most of life is really quite basic in every life so mm -hmm. you can't have christmas dinner every night so so you that's what that you find like your joy in these basic things and and really pick them apart that well you have these skills you make the client feel comfortable at the clinic you're you have the good skills of handling the dog and and you are you there are lots of things that you can be really proud of yourself and, and count, for example, if you have 15 patients a day, how many did you worked out just fine? And maybe it's 14. It can be even 15 at days. Okay, they are not any rocket science, but still you manage to help people and, and stuff like that and try to change your perspective. Then, of course, if you really require your mind, some of us are like that, that they require other things and a lot of uh, variation and stuff then then it's a good place to discuss what would be a career what kind of work would you enjoy and help you to find that way yeah. looking at the other side of the spectrum um how much do you think is imposter syndrome um an issue with with finnish vets and with your clients is that also a big issue uh uh, uh, uh with your uh, with your clientele, I mean, this is something we very often discuss in the UK. Uh, it's well recognized, and sometimes the best vets actually feel that they 
they are rubbish. So I don't know. Do you have the same issue in Finland? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Is it? It's a, Is it? uh, we, we really. I, I think it's uh, as I see it. I think it's a lot of a question of feeling, feeling uh, somehow compassion for yourself. I think the solution is there uh, that people who are suffer from this imposter syndrome, as I see it, are often people who are perfectionists and, and, and very, very small mistakes. They can be just clumsy working in walking in the room or something. It doesn't have to be anything to do, can already uh, upset them a bit that this didn't go as I wanted it to be. And uh, uh, I think a main problem many of us suffer from, me too, is, is uh, difficulties with uh, compassion for myself or for yourself. So in, in order to be able to feel compassion for yourself, you have to recognize that you're suffering and, and this imposter syndrome and always feeling that you're not, that someone I, be, I will be caught not knowing what I'm really doing is, is part of all that, that you don't, you expect a lot of things from yourself. You don't, you can't give away from any mistakes. If you don't remember the dosage automatically, that's already a failure. And if you have to check it up somewhere, it's also bad. So there are a lot of, and, and then you critique yourself for that. So I think there's a lot of, of this lack of compassion for yourself. And if even to, in order to feel compassion and to be able to uh, express compassion, towards yourself, you have to recognize that you're suffering, that this is not good. I, I, this imposter syndrome is really suffering and, and that I want to help myself. And then, then we do exercises like that, okay, it's Agatha who says, me, I, I'm really a lousy professional supervisor that I feel really bad. And then what would I say to her if she feels like that? How would I speak to her? And then we try it then we can change roles. Then I have to speak to myself in that way. Mm. And there are lots of different techniques to, and, and, and the idea is, is that you should like wake up the inner compassion. Mm. And I think that's something we all really, really need. I mean, we need compassion in the world in general, but also towards ourselves that, that see our successes, be uh, like enjoy when things go, uh, well, in Finland, we have this that you shouldn't enjoy too much because then everything will go really bad and, and you shouldn't laugh because it's really bad laughing too because that, I mean, we say that you cry after a long laugh. There's a saying like that in Finland. So, so. <laughs> Ying and the yang. But I think, of course, there are other things too in the imposter syndrome, but it's really a, a lack of being nice to yourself. How does backup look like? Um, I'm thinking, I mean, you, you, you might have sort of uh, clients or groups where you think, wow, this, I'm afraid, this goes far beyond that, what actually I can offer, where you think, well, this person actually doesn't need a supervisor, but, well, what comes the next? A, a psychologist or, mm -hmm. or something like that, where you think, well, no, 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 I see here a, a, a far Problem. I, example, somebody is uh, acutely suicidal, for example, so where you're saying, well, is supervision here still enough? So have you had these situations or where is your, what sort of backup would you then have? 
can you refer people or, or how does it look like? I think the, uh, what has, what we have met is actually uh, that people might be so close to burnout, they, they are exhausted, uh, uh, that we then have to discuss with the client to um, go through or go to occupational health. So usually when you work someplace, you, you have this occupational health, so you can turn turn to them because when you are exhausted, so uh, this uh, professional supervision is not your thing then. You, have, you really have to have energy to develop yourself. If you are so tired that you barely uh, get out of bed in the morning, so you, you really need other things like therapy and you need rest and you need to mm, talk with your own uh, employer and, and try to fix things yeah. so later then when you come back when you, if you have to stay at home for yeah. like I don't know maybe a few weeks a few months and then you come back to uh, work then it's a very good idea to start professional supervision because you have to start doing things in a different way mm. often people think when they uh, change workplace all problems will go away but the problem is that we have this mode of action, uh, a way of thinking that gets us into same kind of problems all the time. So actually we have to work on ourselves uh, in order to improve mm -hmm. things in work life. Uh, some professional supervision uh, supervisors are therapists that have to be said that the most common background is in fact to be a therapist, a psychotherapist of some sort or psychologist. a psychologist yeah. or or maybe social worker or you come from education so they are usually that and in in those cases of course you can decide that okay that now i see your you can't we can't work this supervision thing with you because you are too tired and exhausted but if you want to we can change into therapy and then they start in a therapeutic relationship instead so that is a possibility but not with us so for us it's really uh, we, we need to be really clear on our boundaries because we will we don't want to harm anyone and we don't want to give them any promises or anything that they can't and we don't want to burden them either so if we see that this is too heavy for you 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 don't have the strength to discuss your uh, work life and profession development. and development so we don't want to push you we want you to rest and and that's also like this uh that uh, what was the benevolent that we we are, this is a very benevolent uh, uh work it's done that we should be all the time care for the page care for the client and and we want them to feel safe and appreciated with finland a country where we have these huge seasonal changes. I'm talking specifically about light. Mm -hmm. So um, uh, it's obviously very, for you, still very early, uh, um, but do you have a higher workload in the autumn and the winter when, when there's also sort of less and less daylight around than in the summer, or does that not make any difference? Well, in the summer, we have summer holidays, so that affects, uh, mm -hmm. affects our work. Yes, we don't have clients in the summer, but um, I don't know. Maybe we haven't worked maybe long enough to, mm, to, to say, say anything about this. 
But mm. of our life is in Finland is like the work is done from August to end of May. And then some people or most people have to work during summer, but the effective months are like August to end of May. So that's also the work months we give most yeah. supervision. You have spent a lot of time sort of educating yourself about it, uh, uh, gaining knowledge about this, also getting involved into discussion. In what way has this rubbed off on yourself, would you say? What has changed? Has there anything changed with you as a person because of all the work you are doing that you, I don't know, are more self-assured or that you are more insecure or that you are i don't know asking twice uh, what you yourself are doing I, i i don't know has there been any change for you yourself personally as well well at least i think i there has been a huge uh change in my thinking mm. uh and how to confront difficult things and I, I see communication in a very different light nowadays. How to uh, communicate in a work environment, for example, how, how I see the importance of it, of mm. a transparent and open discussion, for example. Um, I don't know, what would you say? Yeah, absolutely, communication and, and, and uh, the courage to take uh, discuss difficult issues. That, that's something I really see as a very, very important, not to just try to push them aside. But uh, and personally, I think I've become more patient. So I, I don't like do, I, I'm a pretty fast person usually, but, but I'm more patient than, and, and I really, of this compassion, I really feel that I've tried to practice it on myself and, and somehow I feel that my workload with everything going on and our final papers and all the exams and stuff we did or, or the book books and everything so I, I think I should have been really stressed before but now I could I didn't find it so stressful hmm. uh, it's strange I, I, I kept telling myself that you're doing a great job and think you're working and you're doing this and and you don't have to know everything and and This is good enough. I, I kept telling myself these things and it, uh, it felt a bit weird, really, because it <laughs> was not what I used to tell myself when I didn't get things done. So, but yeah, maybe the stress loads has lowered. We, I don't get that stressed anymore. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're appreciating yourself also possibly a bit more and what you're doing. It's amazing. Well, Agatha, Anna, thank you so much for this fantastic chat we had. Uh, mm -hmm. That was really very, very interesting, I, not only for me, but I'm sure for many of our listeners and viewers. Uh, if anyone has any more questions about this episode of uh, Fekava VetChat, please email us on vetchat at fekava.org. You can also leave any messages on our social media outlets. Um, and I hope that I will see ideally more and more of you for our next episodes of Recover Vet Chat. Thank you very much to not to Helsinki but to 
Well, Turku is the closest town. Yeah, yeah. Turku is fine. <laughs> I learned that now. Okay. <laughs> Have a lovely evening, Agatha Thank and you. Anna. And uh, yeah, bye bye, everybody, for next week's Fikava Wettchat. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you.